Tap In Time, a Chapman Stick podcast. Whether you've played the instrument for years or are just curious, if it's stick talk you're looking for, this is the place. So come along and stay a while. Well, hello out there and welcome once again to the Tap In Time podcast. I'm Victor. I'm Gene. And I'm Claire. And this is episode number 10. Yay. Now, help me out with the math here, people. Isn't That's that 10. double digits? It's 10 more than we had. <laughs> Somehow I feel a little more validated now that we've got 10 episodes. A little more special. We're semi-pro now. <laughs> we have a catalog. We're indexed with metadata, like... Legit podcast. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> we even got an email. We even got an email, right? Like, we had like at least two or even three emails now. Like, yeah, we did. That's true. Few, we did get a few, a few emails. Big time. Yeah. Shout out to Conrad down under, and uh, and shout out to Nathan up in yeah. Vancouver. You know, they actually uh, contacted us on the Tap and Time Podcast at gmail.com address. So thanks a lot, guys. We got an email from Scotty too, didn't we? Yes, we did. In fact, uh, Scott had a great idea for a, a segment that we really need to get to sometime soon, uh, and uh, we'll keep that under wraps. But uh, Scott, we haven't forgotten you, and we really appreciate the idea because it's not one we had thought of, and we want to hit it. Three emails. It's been like, <laughs> sky's the limit. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> Look out, Stick Nation! Gonna need bodyguards soon, yeah. Half nation, that's right. <laughs> so, how is everyone doing right now? You know, on your on your musical journey, does anyone have any updates that they want to give that might be interesting? Doing updates. I mean, I can. I guess I can start. I've got a short one that yeah. Why don't you I think go first? Why don't talk you go about first? a little later in this episode. So, I was unduly influenced by someone with the initials GP and I made a purchase that I haven't regretted so far and I don't have buyer's remorse yet. So that's a good thing because it's been about two months. I went out and drove down to Guitar Center and waited in line wearing my mask to get into the building, told them what I wanted, and they brought me a shiny new box with a Line 6 HX Stomp multi-effects Woo-hoo. unit. Right. And uh, so, Gene, you're <laughs> you're an influence. Are you a bad did you sold the Zoom? Did you sell the Zooms? Did you sell the Zooms? No, no. I actually still oh, have yeah. the Zooms, and I, I still them. still like them, but I'm I'm using the, the HX Stomp right now. I've played it at, uh, at at church a couple of times and uh, seems to be nice. working rather well. I don't know if I'm going to sell my Zooms. Maybe we'll get into that later in this episode, given our topic. But that's my big change is I've got a Line 6 HX Stomp, and I've been noodling around with that. So that's kind of where I'm at. I don't, do you that's guys cool. have anything exciting going on? I've got some updates. Um, uh, so the, my update is that I, I canceled the order of my 10 string. And the, the reason that I did so, uh, I was going to get a maple um, with a stick-up, um, is that it wasn't going to have the Goldilocks frets. And so I think that some of them come with them, some of them may not come with them, but it's always kind of good to check and ask. Um, I believe that the ones with Chechen 
I know that um, Rob Gelder mentioned he was getting one. And so he had, um, he was having the Goldilocks frets and he made certain that that was the case. So always, you know, good to ask. Um, but I, I figured, you know, I have three sticks right now. It's so many. And so what I think I may try to do is I may try to bring myself to sell this 12 string maple, um, that I'm so fond of. Of course, Clara's recommendation was just get an active two. And I was like, so I think what I may end up doing is, is doing that instead of like actually buying a whole new stick just for a stick up. I, I might have to consider how to retrofit it. If I was going to have a stick up put into a stick that was cut for, um, you know, a block. So oh, yeah, because the stick up is smaller than a block, isn't it? That's He's right. done those before. I look up a uh, pair Boysen. I think he kinda, really okay. He kind of. I think he kind of fits it in. I'm sure if you talk to Stick Enterprises, oh, I've seen them though. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I could do so. So I'm thinking about that. So like, like really quickly on that note, you can actually have a stick up retrofitted into an instrument that has an active two or is cut for an active two or a uh, passive four. So I, you know, I may consider that on um on my existing 10 string because then that would kind of solve my dilemma and I could move the active two or buy a 12 string active two and put that on the uh the 12 string maple and then I'd have my you know, very familiar 10 string and I can play that with stick up. Did you say that you're planning to sell your 12 string? I, I don't know. I have two 12 strings right now and I know I'm hanging on to one of them because it has the hybrid pickup and Emmett signed the back. So that's not getting sold. It's also mini. It's like <laughs> you can never get rid of that. I can never get rid of that. Exactly. It's like, like it's. Hey, mini. Claire, this is like this is a great thing because hey, Gene can't get rid of. He's going to always have a grand stick. <laughs> yeah, the roller coaster I'm gonna have to has this to you guys. Like, if, if if I go, like you guys are going to be like have to decide what the fate of this instrument is. Like, it's, it's like. <laughs> anyways, like the, the the usual drama. I, I also uh, I haven't been playing as much stick recently, so that's been really hard. I'm sure stick players go through this, and maybe this is a whole other episode, but just like long periods of time not having played the stick. Another update would include, oh, there was a wonderful call that Greg Howard put together uh, for some of the people that uh, in the stick community. And I was you know, pretty fortunate that Greg let me kind of in on that. Um, Nick Banks was on it. Um, Steve Adelson, Dan Chapman. There's a lot of people. Um, Tom Griesgraber, uh, Tony Levin was there for a while. Don Schiff was there. Bob Culbertson was there. Um, Alfonso Johnson was on for a few minutes and I know, um, Glenn was there, um, and Jim Meyer was there. It was just, it was really lovely. And, and Emmett kind of talked about, you know, um, that was his birthday, uh, though, right? you know, his birthday and, and, and these, you know, and we, everyone got to share like what the instrument meant to them and what they were doing and that sort of thing. And, and so that was really nice. And I asked Emmett, one of the last questions I asked him, I was like, do you miss your home planet? <laughs> He got a kick out of that. So, <laughs> so here's a question. So did you guys sing happy birthday over Zoom? I think we did. So I'm just curious. Okay, so where I work every month, we have a birthday celebration for the people who had birthdays during that month. And since we've all been locked down and half of the company is working from home, we do it over Zoom now. And let me tell you, 45 or 50 people singing <laughs> happy birthday over Zoom is a train wreck. How was it for you guys? Were you guys able to keep it together? Everyone tried their best, and 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 uh, and we we were in key, you know. So we were in key, but there was this whole thing with like the timing of it, and you just had to kind of close your eyes and kind of push forward through, like it was like junior high band, you know. You just <laughs> yeah. 
It will end at some point, you know? It wasn't that bad, though. No, like, well, what's actually half the fun is the fact that you know it's going to be a train wreck because no one's going to be uh, aligned. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, on that call, one of the most memorable things that, uh, that, that I, I do recall, Emmett was, I think he wanted to be a touring musician, you know? He's like, I really wish I could have, you know, I feel like uh, I wish I could have done more to have been a touring musician. And, uh, and, and you know, I never did this, I never did this. And Nick Peggs was like, oh, no. No, Emmett. He's like, no, you, you surpassed. It was so lovely what Nick Beggs said. And he just came in and he's like, no, that's cocky. What are you talking about? He's like, no, you've inspired these people. You crave this instrument. You played out in front of, and then Greg Howard is jumps in and says, oh, you got to hear this recording from the seventies with this duo. We use the drummer and it's the, the one that they have up on stick.com right now, which is pretty phenomenal. Like Emmett's left hand is in rare form with the whole phaser in the left hand and just crushing these lines so, so fast and fluid and right on it. And then the like long sustained, like fuzzy parts in the right hand. And uh, it was so great how, how just kind of Nick Biggs set the kind of the, the tone for it. And everyone was like, yeah, yeah. What are you talking about? Emmett? You know, it was, it was a, it was a, it was a really nice moment. So that's another update. Um, you know, I've been playing with a, a, a trio um, and mostly kind of playing in the bass role. And so that's another update. It's been challenging for me because they're more committed than I am. And so that's been uh, my big dilemma is that I have these two people who are like, hey, we expected a commitment. And so that's been hard for me with kids, COVID and work and not having time for music. And so I have some like big decisions with regards to that. So with the birthday for Emmett with the band drama with the uh with punting on the the new instrument that's kind of where I've been at with regards to stick updates for this month how about you Claire what's what's the latest the latest and greatest um I guess like you I haven't I haven't been playing as much as I feel I should be or it's hard to say that I want to because it's like if I wanted to I'd play so I don't know um, the world's such a mess right now. It's hard to focus. So mm. I do miss it. And when I do pick up my instrument, I enjoy it. So I kind of want to do that more. Um, I did, I signed up for, uh, a course, I guess Trey Gunn does this modes course. There's modes one modes two. I think the one upcoming is modes one. And I, from what I gather from the information, it's about kind of hearing and listening to the different modes, which I I've, kind of wanted to do that myself anyway so it seemed like a good thing to try so i'm kind of looking forward to that so where did you find this course and if people wanted to look into it where would they go oh if you go if you go to his website if you search Traygun modes you'll find it i think he has sort of a coaching or mentor I did like original voice coach I, I i didn't look up the info okay. but if you if you search for Traygun modes you'll you'll find it if you want to and sign how up. How do you spell his name? Is it T-R-E-Y? T-R-E-Y-G-U-N-N. Okay. Um, right. And it start it starts next week. And it's it's like it's not really like live in, you know, even online live. I think he sends us materials, we review it, and there's sort of, I guess, like a Slack channel to kind of interact with with other folks. Well, you know, that didn't even occur to me. By the time this gets out there, you'll have been in this course for, for I will have been in this course for a while, yeah. So Yeah, yeah. So he run, he runs the course, I think uh, I think this is the third I think he runs them once a year or something like that. So Never okay, well, I'm interested in hearing about it. I don't yeah. think I can take it, but I'm I'm going to look into it. Just well, I'll I'll let you know once once it gets going. Sounds interesting. Um, 
and I did I did buy a bit of tech recently, but I'll I'll get into that in a bit. Okay, well, now that we've given our updates, uh, what we're doing in in our own musical lives, uh, we'll move on to the next part of the show. So, Gene, what are we doing this time? What are we here to talk about? Yeah, yeah. So we're going to talk multi-effects. And so they come in different shapes and sizes. Uh, More recently, we've seen editors added to them. And as the processing power in pedals has increased, as well as the size of the pedals and the peripheral that you can use with a pedal, be it tap or expression or just on MIDI, there's a whole, there's a virtual cornucopia of pedals to choose from in all shapes and sizes from all the major manufacturers, Ibanez, Boss, Roland, Zoom, Line 6 is a big time competitor. The high end stuff that you see with the Axe FX is, I think they're under their third rev of a pretty serious two space rack that has multi-ins, multi-outs, you know, configurable foot pedals. And so all these things that were done in separate units all come together in this glorious little dream called the multi-effects unit. Complicating that is the fact that one of the most intriguing characteristics of the Chapman stick is that on this single beam, you have two discrete signal paths. And so, uh, how do you do this? Do you have two different um, pedal boards or do you just not use pedals on one side or do you use a single pedal? And that's kind of what we're here to discuss. And that's kind of the stick player dream, I suppose, is to have just one pedal and not this massive pedal board or maybe that was something that I wanted. So we all have experience with all these different pedals. And so I'm really looking forward to this discussion in particular because you both have experience with, um, how do I say it's the same pedal, but it's not really like the same pedal at all, but it is the same pedal. This will make more sense later. And then there's also the Axe effects, which I know nothing about, which I read about from Pear and I read about from uh, Greg and Claire more recently with you. So um, all kinds of great discussions. So I suppose before, since I've had the chance to do the intro here, like maybe Victor, you could start with like your multi-effects kind of like history kind of like where it all started for you when you decided you wanted pedals what kind of pedals and then how you settled on a multi-effects pedal um for your instrument well without having a real history of of playing you know electric guitar or electric bass for a long time before i picked up the stick i didn't really have a whole lot to fall back on in in terms of, you know, how I wanted things to operate. And I know that a lot of people like to have discrete pedals for for every piece of what makes up their total sound. They want to have a big sky because they want the best reverb or they want to have that boss EQ pedal um, Mm -hmm. because, you know, they like having the sliding knobs, you know, and there's a lot of people that like to have individual pedals for that because they're more specialized. They like the sound 
I don't really have a history that that really wants that. You you had me at sliding knobs though. You had me at sliding knobs. Yeah, well, well, the sliding knobs are good exactly. because they are. I mean, and as an example, you know, I have uh, I have a, a boss base EQ unit that I'll be honest. As far as just being an EQ unit, it's better than anything I've seen in in any of my multi effects experience. Not that that's a lot of experience, but they work in the multi effects. But there's something about having the sliding knobs. You just bend over and you move it, and it's there. It's the format. It's yeah. it's a, it's a it's a it's an analog format. Yeah, and a lot of people are not really willing to give that up. Well, I'm not that invested in it, and you know, I'm 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 an older guy, and for a while I was playing in a band and loading out. I wanted to simplify it. I wanted to be able to just show up, drop my amp, plug in a few cables, and go. So my first foray into that was I bought a mod duo. Mm-hmm. And uh, now a mod duo is a multi-effects unit that basically uh, it's a Linux box that's got a few foot switches and it's got a little LCD screen and uh, a couple of knobs and it's a small form factor. And I, w- I got one of those and I played around with that for a while. And after a little while, I realized that didn't like being tied to an external computer. Now, that isn't a big deal for a lot of people. Some people, an external computer is their multi-effects unit. But I'm not one of those people. I'm looking for simple. I want to have one thing. I get it out. I plug it in. I go. But in order to change your effects with a mod duo, you really need a computer or, or maybe a tablet computer or something. And I didn't like being tied down to that. And so I played with that for a while. And then I eventually sold that to someone and moved on to what I used for probably three or four years uh, before the HX stomp. And that was a pair of Zoom multi-effects that then fed into a mixer. And so I designed a pedal board that would have a small mixer, uh, a small Mackie mixer. And then I had my two Zooms and I'd basically go from an SP2 preamp, which I probably didn't need once I moved to the Active 2 pickup, but I left it on my pedal board. But anyway, that into... Two Zoom pedals. One was an MS50G, which is a guitar pedal, and the other was an MS60B, which is a bass pedal. And so I used that for several years. And each of those pedals only has one input and one output. Well, they've got more than one input and output, but effectively it deals with one signal path. But you can use it without needing a computer. And you know, the actually the the interface, I thought the interface was pretty slick. Um, so I used that for a few years and then, you know, I mentioned earlier on the show, you know, uh, someone unduly influenced me to move away from that. And so I've been using a line six HX stomp since then, because an HX stomp, you actually can use it without a computer. A computer certainly is easier to develop your uh, signal path and your presets and stuff, but you don't need it. You can do without it. And so it's, you know, if you're in the middle of a situation and you want to change something, that you didn't think you would need to change, you didn't have any foresight, you can still do it. And so that was kind of a little bit about me and my priorities. You know, I'm I'm all about simple, I'm all about small. And that pedal board, pair of zooms into a mixer, I could carry it. It has its own case. It's, you know, the same size as a large laptop case. Mm-hmm. But this HX Stomp, I mean, I can put that in my gig bag. Yeah. You know, I can carry my whole setup in my soft case for my stick. Um, although... The HX Stomp does have that kind of awkwardly large power supply that kind of makes it, 
it, it kind of does make it a little bit difficult to stuff in your gig bag because you got a cable, you got that, and then you got your power supply. So close, HX thumb, like, and then and then the the, the size of it is like I think like seven point six two. It's just a little bit larger than other ones, but still, like, I willingly overlook those because the HX thump is so versatile. Yeah, and so and we're gonna talk about that a little bit, and uh, you know I've got I've got other opinions I'm gonna uh, dive into on that, but uh, cool. That's kind of my history, you know. Go for go for simple and go for not needing a computer, and so they're and I've learned a lot and all along the way, but. Uh, yeah, it's a whole new like multi effects world out there just in the past like two or three years. So Claire, what you're not like coming from a guitar based background, you know, it's kind of I'm I'm intrigued to hear, you know, how you would approach this. I would expect that you'd have a less kind of like knobby, you know, kind of like twirly, twitchy knobs, you know, and you're more kind of in the interface and it's a little more digital and you're used to dealing with these kinds of editors. So like what was your multi effects experience with the chat and stick? I I guess I'll respond first to your assumption that I don't know is entirely... Well, you're, you're accurate that I did not come from a bass or a guitar background. It was more of a presumption than an assumption. Oh, okay. I guess I'll... Well, just the the, the twiddling of knobs and things like that. I, I actually have a long history of... Um, <laughs> okay. So alternate controllers are something that I have done a good bit of study on. And a lot of that has to do with sort of the tactile interface to music. And that's honestly why I ended up at the stick. It's actually a, a big part of my musical history and all that. So I, I will say that tactile control of sound, and, and that's a big thing for me. So that, that's kind of my response to your presumption. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't come from guitar or bass. And I, as I've mentioned before, when I got my stick... It was part of a master's program that I was doing to build um, sort of interactive performance. So honestly, um, I, I go, go big or go home, I got an XFX. And that wasn't without putting some thought into it. I bought the XFX that I have, I think about a year into having my stick. I kind of needed to start, start actually, this was part of like I was a year into a three-year uh, master's program and I was starting to need to really start doing more recording and, and experimentation. I didn't have the time or the bandwidth to get like piles of little pedals and experiment and do I like it, do I not like it. So to me, this was an excellent way to have a ton of different effects, a ton of flexibility. I also needed to have some way to interact with my computer between that interface. So the XFX provided all of that. Hmm. It's an awesome box. So I, I should say I have, like I said, I, I bought it, I think either late 2012, early 13. So I have an XFX 2, hmm. which is about three hardware models old by now. They came out with a XFX 2 Excel and then an XFX 3. And now I think they just released an XFX 3 Mark II. Wow. It doesn't mean mine doesn't work. Uh, it's great. It's wonderful. I still have it. It's um, so so that box is really what I've done most of my experimentation and any recording that I've done on stick is through that box. I've set up some pretty complicated effects routing. Like I said, I had it kind of integrated into uh, it was into an Ableton Live session um, where I was running. I actually had it set up where I had the bass and the melody each had their own processing. And then I, I had two different effects chains that I could use globally on either one. 
I also ran the direct input so I could use that in Ableton Live. Um, one of the things that the XFX makes really easy is you can just record sort of your raw input tracks and then you can always reamp them through the box. Oh, yeah. So if you ever change your mind on effects, you don't have to go re record the whole thing. You just reprocess them. That's so, wow. That's nice. They make that really simple on the XFX. Yeah. It's like, time um, travel. it's like time travel. It's like, no, not the reverb. So yeah, you just record it once and you don't have to like That's so cool. Oh, my amp wasn't quite right or something. Um so it has it has a ton of effects. They're really great. It has like studio quality reverbs. It's it's a solid box. Um honestly, the way that that company is amazing. The guy, the guy who does all that, he's kind of he is so into amps and amp modeling. Oh, okay. And like I said, not coming from that background, part part of the thing is like I know nothing about amps. Like mm-hmm. you, you go on their forums and they're talking about like SAG or like all these things that I, I don't understand. Um I kind of yeah. would dial up something I liked and tweak it and and that'd be good. I think I honestly couldn't keep up with the firmware updates. They came out so often. They update this thing constantly. It's pretty awesome. So the company's awesome. The box is awesome. It's super flexible. Um, it is on the pricey side um, for, I think, what most people are looking for. I think the list price on the current model is about 2500 Usually you can get it over a little two grand. You can get used ones um, for a little less. Well, like I said, it's it's really it's it's really flexible. It's really high quality. Everyone that I've ever spoken to speaks very highly. They always seem to get exactly what they want from it, and it sounds like it's not too difficult to use. Yeah, and I'm speaking specifically of the Axe FX um, Fractal Audio, who makes it. They do actually make more kind of pedal board stuff because the Axe FX is a rack mount unit. I should say that the one I have is two U. Um, the current Axe 3 is 3U, um, so it is a bit of a beast. It's it's heavy, it's big. <laughs> uh-huh. um, they, the company does make different um, models. They have like an if they have a box. I, I can't remember the the model numbers, but they have a box that's they have two that are more pedal board style mm-hmm. um, that are either geared more towards amp models or one that is more of a multi effects with less of the amp modeling. And they also make like foot controllers to go with the axe effects. So they, they have some other options if 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 the format is more of a pedal board style thing you're looking for. Um, so that was kind of and then like I said for for me it was more I needed to have a box that kind of did everything. And it does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And it, it actually made it really easy for me to practice. I just punch in, like grab any preset pretty much and play. Um, mm-hmm. And it does have a lot of options in terms of just wacky stuff. Oh, one really cool thing with it is the modulation options on it. Um, the control, oping, uh, the, the mappings, the control options. You can actually set curves to like controllers. It's just... Wow. It's kind of wow. crazy what you can do with it. And the, it does, you can edit everything from the front panel. It's pretty easy. Oh, okay. Um, but right. it does have a really slick editor as well um, that works great. So, um, and the, the, there's a very active online community and um, yeah. you can, you can download presets and things like that as well. So there's a lot of folks that share. Um, they also sell like various companies sell um, IRs for the amps. Um, and I think it ha- it has a tone matching thing as well. So it does a lot. Yeah. Um, well, you will be the one amongst us to, to talk about that. And I suppose we can get into the, we'll get into the nitty gritty of it, but like you're going to kind of lead that part of the discussion. Well, I think, I, I mean, that's kind of the nitty gritty of it. It's, it's a great box. It's, it's not, it's not the most portable thing. If you just want to toss it into a gig bag, it's not, it's not this like, that's yeah. not what this is. Mm. 
but I, I've been very happy with it. I still have mine. I haven't really needed to get the new one because I don't, I don't know. It still works great. I got no reason to change it out right now. And, and honestly, like so, sort of my evolution on effects, I guess, I guess I should talk to the next box that I got. Um, so I still have the XFX and I, I do still use it. And it's been sort of the main thing I've, I've used to process um, the stick. Um, I did like, uh, just like Victor, I also got a mod duo. Um, so the mod duo was one of those like Kickstarter things that, um, I, I was aware of it and kind of interested in it. And at the time, I guess probably cause I already had the ax effects. I, I just, wait, wait, I'm sorry. Do you guys both have a mod duo? No, I sold mine. I have one. Like I said, I, I wasn't, I thought it was really neat and I was interested in it. And I didn't have a good reason to buy it because I already had this Axe Effects. Yeah. Um, and at some point, um, I think like Victor said, it's it's sort of it's an embedded Linux box, and it's it's a very kind of DIY. It's it's open source. It's a very DIY style company, um, very hackable. And at some point, they announced that th th there's a piece of software called Max MSP made by Cycling Seventy Four that I use a lot to make custom stuff, mm. custom software, I guess. And at some point, they announced that you'd be able to build your own effects using that. So to me, at that point, it became, oh, well, maybe I should get one now. Were you led? Were you led, or like by another stick player? Was like in the same way that I kind of led Victor, or, or, or I was blamed? I was blamed for his like gas, like like what? Like when I when I finally kind of heard that I could kind of build my own effects for it, that intrigued me, and it made made it more of a reason to get it. It's also, it's a small box. It's not terribly expensive. It's, it's relatively affordable, certainly compared to the Axe effects. It's really affordable. Right. Um, and I, I happened to be at a stick seminar and someone had one that they were wanted to sell and they let me like take it. They were like, here, take it. And if you want it, buy it. If you don't send it, like mail it to me. And I was like, okay, I'll try it. And I ended up keeping it and I, and I bought it from them. So, um, so I still have it. It is actually the box. I like. I haven't gigged with the Axe Effects. I have definitely gigged with my Mod Duo. Hmm. Um, it's a it's a cool little box. It's really flexible. Um, I think we're going to get into some nitty gritty later, but it's it's super flexible. You have a lot of options. Yeah, and it's it's tiny. So, so portability. It offered you all the options that the Axe Effects did with a little more portability. Yeah. Gotcha. And I I will say it's not. I won't compare them because they're very different. Sure. Boxes, very That's different true. beasts. You're not going to get the kind of amp modeling out of the mod duo that you get out of the axe effects. It's not going to happen. You're not going to get, you know, the reverbs and the axe are like amazing. The reverbs in the mod are okay. They're great. They're fine. It's a different crowd though. It's it's a very different kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, but it, it's super flexible and you have a lot of options. Um, like I said, it's open source. People make plugins. There's new plugins available all the time that you can buy. Um, it, it comes with a set, but you can also purchase other plugins if you want. And so I still have the Duo. Actually, the company, um, they've evolved a bit. They had a new model called the Duo X mm -hmm. that I, I don't have. It's it's kind of like the Duo, but it's geared more towards... Um, I think they geared it more towards modular synth cats because it's, it's more of a tabletop or desktop model and it has CV oh, okay. in and out control voltage in and out, but they're coming out with a newer, smaller version of the duo called the dwarf. That's right. And they honestly, they offered, so they, <laughs> they offered sort of an upgrade deal to those of us that have one. And it was kind of, it was kind of a no brainer because you basically get a discount on the new one and you get to keep your other one. So it was kind of 
okay. okay. Might as well. So it's it's smaller. It has it's more powerful than the one I have right now, and and the I/O is pretty similar. It has has a couple more switches. So I, I'm I'm supposed to get it soon. I think it's due by the end of the year. I want I want to say it's like December. It was it was another Kickstarter. All right. Yeah, so you told me about it, and I I knew you were interested, but I don't think I knew that you actually plunked down the cash and it's on the way. That's awesome. Oh yeah. Well, it's not, I don't know if it's on the way. I think it's due for like December. Really, it was another Kickstarter. Okay. But yeah, the the yeah, that's on the way. The offer they gave was kind of a no-brainer on on what you ended up paying. You had you had to pay like the whole price, and then and then you send them your serial number, and they give you like a, a rebate back on it. So it was it was just kind of like yeah, duh, might as well. It's easier for these companies to sell to their existing like base than it is to try to lure somebody. You know, like like there's been studies on this. I think it's awesome. The whole thing is a Kickstarter. And uh, that's, that, right. that's how it started. And, and yeah, so, and we've got, you know, there are stick champions for the mod duo. <laughs> yeah. So Dean Kobayashi is a, a mod duo champion. That's right. He's the North American distributor. He was anyway for that. Yeah. And yeah, he did. He's into it. He's into it. It's a fun little box. Like I said, they're, they're new. Like I said, the mod dwarf um it's called and their kickstarter kind of sold out and they set up another indiegogo and that kind of did really well so they're, they're doing really well with it yeah so I, i've been happy with that too it made 212 percent of what they intended to raise so i'm looking at their site right now so they Is that raised, the kickstarter or the indiegogo because they actually have two <laughs> it's the indiegogo yeah okay yeah so wow. that was their that was the second one they set up so their their kickstarter actually sold out so oh okay <laughs> I was on the Kickstarter campaign. So it's yeah, doing really well. You know, it's it's affordable. It's 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 cool. I think it's actually less than like the stomp or something. Well, th- there is a there is a community out there that likes to take these things apart and, and put them back together, Claire. I think that you yeah. kind of appreciate that aspect of the yeah. of the editor in particular. Yeah. yeah. So so like I said, I, I still have my axe. I currently have the mod and I'm looking forward to having the little the, the new little guy to play with. Um, I did get another gadget this year, fa- fairly recent. I'm I'm still kind of attempting to get used to it. It's not really a multi-effects. I got the Boss SY1000, um, which I, I saw it at the NAMM show back in January. Mm-hmm. Um, and I somehow managed to not buy it right then. But, <laughs> uh, so like, like I said, it's not really a multi-effects. For me, that was more of a box where um, it uses the... Um, sort of that Roland GK um, pickup input. Um, so it's basically a polyphonic synth with effects. And it does polyphonic processing as well. Now the key with this box, and part of the reason I kind of had to get it, is it also includes, you can get all of the string, the separate string inputs via USB to your computer. Oh. That kind of sealed the deal for me to, oh, okay. to be able to do that. So... Um, but it's it's neat. It's got like three different synth, I, I guess, options that you can run at the same time. Um, nice. It has more than three synths on it, but I guess I'll say synth blocks. And then it also has what they call the normal input, um, which you can also process. So um, I'm still getting to know that one. And like I said, it's not really a multi-effects and it's not, it's not a generic box. Like unless you have a very specific reason you want this thing, I don't think it's something you're going to run out and buy it's also it's not cheap it's like close to a grand so um it's not really a general consumption kind of box all right yeah so uh yeah that's kind of where i'm at 
Yeah, I'm not, I don't see much else on the horizon right now. I, I think for me, I'm trying to figure out what I really want to be doing with the stick and, and that'll kind of shape where, where I go next with, with any effects. Um, yeah. So, so Gene, how about you? Uh, yeah, thanks for asking. So uh, I've, I have this long winding trail of multi-effects units. It, it kind of, I mentioned the UE405, which is this old Ibanez pedal that I, I, I had just actually kind of used it. That was the first thing that I saw that was like a two-space rack. I think it was by Ibanez and literally they just pulled the guts out of like a tube screamer and like digital delay and maybe like a compressor or something like that. And they put it all in there. I don't remember the exact combination. It was like a chorus slash flanger, you know, and, and, uh, but I'd seen that and I was intrigued by that. Later in my kind of incline career, I used a, an SE50. So an SE50 is a half space uh, boss rack. And so what you could do is, is you could pan things to one side and pan things to the other side. And uh, a kind of more evolved form of the SE50 came in the form of the SE70, which I think had better processing or better processors. Um, they famously had this like little, like a, like a C24 battery or these little kind of like these little flat, like nickel kind of shaped size batteries. And those would die out after a couple of years and people would sell their units because they thought they were broken. And, um, but that was the first multi-effects. Yeah. yeah, that was, that was kind of a bummer. Like, you know, be- before we had too much of the internet, you know, I had to kind of take that to a repair shop and they're like, you just need a, this battery pal. You know, can you help me with that? <laughs> Having to take apart a rack, it's like it wasn't something See, I was... This is where the, the synth nerd thing comes in because that happens a lot on synth. I would be like rolling up her sleeve. Like, oh, it's like, not booting. Let me pop it open and check if there's a battery. I'm like, here's $45. No way. Yeah, so so the, the SE50, you know, I, I got some use out of it. And so the, I, I traveled with that when I was with the incline because I was using a rack rig for the, the stick. And it had like built-in compression courses and flanges, and you can kind of stack all these things up together. But what I really liked was the um, the digital delay, and that's what I needed it for. And then I would also actually run delay on the left hand as well, because I was playing a much more kind of rhythmic style back then. So it's hard to explain, but it, you know, we were very influenced by U2, and so there was a lot of that doubling going on. So the, the, I got some good use out of the SE50 and then at some point moved to or, or started to experiment with the, with the Zoom pedals. And what's so fascinating about the Zoom pedals is that the, the, there's a whole community out there of Zoom pedal users that makes their own controller. So what's unique about the US, the mini jack like USB? Yeah, it's real tiny. Yeah. Right. And so you would use that to actually update the pedal, I think. I think the pedal would have updates. It, that's pretty much all it's for is just for firmware updates, right? Ah, no, but you can use it actually for, you can connect it via, I think, USB, and you can get one of these disaster area um, controllers. And it didn't support expression, but you could switch through patches with it. So you could switch, you can go, you could scroll um, one way or the other, and then you might have been able to turn the pedal on and turn the pedal off. And um, I worked so hard to get that to work with two Zoom pedals. And then um, you have to have a USB hub, you have to have power for the USB hub. And so, I mean, I was able to do it, Claire, and like, maybe you'll appreciate this or maybe you'll just like laugh at me. But the, the idea was I could do it with both pedals, but I couldn't figure out how to make it useful with actually being musical. 
So I had to. Like, <laughs> I know that problem very okay, well. Right. I was like, well, I did it, but I don't. I think we all do. It was like this whole door explorer. Like I have to go over the rainbow bridge, and then I have to go through the, the Doom jungle, and then I have to figure out the USB G host adapter rainforest. And then I got to my place, and I was like, "This is not musical. This was this was a bummer." I think part of it is just like, I don't know, I've done a ton of experimentation where you're like, oh, this looks interesting. And you start this rabbit hole and you spend like forever on it. And then you're like, oh my goodness, I finally got it working. And then you're like, well, but I don't really have a thing to do with it, you know? And I, and I'm, I'm very much in that boat. Like if it's not musical, like why bother? Like, okay, cool. I can make little riffs and fiddly sounds and whatever, you know, but if, if I can't make use of it in a musical context, it's kind of pointless. So I, I totally understand it. Yeah. Sometimes it's just a matter of like, I got it to work. Ha, you know, yeah, exactly. but then, but then you, you, you spend like months and then you walk away, you know? <laughs> I mean, so, sometimes the figuring out is the project and not the end, you know, like the end goal. Yeah, maybe the journey is the much. fun part. Yeah. 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 It fulfills a part of my creative side that I assign value to. So I'm doing it for a reason. I'm doing it because I want to find out, I want to explore. So then the trick is to try to do that in a way and retain your musicality without becoming so technical that you lose sight of the fact that I was actually going to try to play a song or write a song or play with someone with a song. And so, but, but I've, I've come to enjoy that part of it. Like, taking apart pedal boards and putting them back together. It's like Lego. Like it satisfies that same need for me. And so I used to fight it a lot and then I battled with it. And I was just like, ah, oh, I need a multi-effects pedal. I just like, I just want one pedal. And then it was like, ah, it's too complicated. It wants to know like impedance and it wants to know things like the, the, the angle of the microphone. And I was like, this isn't easy at all. Like this is really hard. And now I've got a gig and I'm dependent on this thing. <laughs> so uh, enter the, the HD 500 X. And so this is my first entry into the line six kind of world and the introduction of two signal paths, um, two separate outputs processing on both sides and a, a lot of DSP to do it, but it was a bit intricate for me. And so I kind of struggled with that. Um, I then picked up an SY 300, which is really only has a single input. So you can't actually process or use the unit to um, process, you know, two separate signal paths. Or if there's a way, I haven't figured out how to do it. You know, I, I don't think you can. It has a single input, and that actually was the first unit where I used an editor. So we'll get into that later. Um, and then finally, you know, I, I, I've started to use the Line Six HX Sump, and you know, I've, I've thought about moving to the Helix. You know, after talking to Jeremy Kubert, um, who at some point we'll sit down and talk with. Um, I think we've mentioned it. And he and I have been talking a lot about uh, the Line 6 HX, and we've been talking a lot about him, and so hopefully that will come in a future episode. But um, the long and the short of it is, like, my path has led to the Line 6 HX stomp because I do want a single pedal solution. I'm looking to get, like, compression and EQ in the bass side. I'm looking to do, like, delays and reverbs and, like, some sort of phasing in the right-hand side. Not too much more. I don't use a lot of the modeling. Although with the Line 6 HX Stomp, it does have these kind of nice drives that are appealing, but not generally my style. So it brings us to this next question. And that next question is, what makes for a good Chapman Stick multi-effects unit? (laughs) 
Okay, Gene Perry, so you want to know what makes for a good Chapman Stick multi-effects unit? You want to yes, ask that question? Do. Okay, well, well, obviously you've got to have two discrete signal paths. This yeah. is an instrument that generates two discrete signal paths, and if you want, you've got to have that. And so that's, you know, that's I kind of went away from that. I had the mod duo that did that, and then I went away from that to the zoom units, which didn't do that, which meant I had to have a mixer on the board, and now I'm back to the HX stomp, which doesn't. But um, something else that is that goes along with that is you got to have obviously, it is nice to have two discrete outputs. Oh, yeah. You don't always use two discrete outputs. I don't. I use one output, actually, because I'm just going to an amp, usually, or or to the house. But it is good to have two discrete outputs, because sometimes I am putting out two separate signals. So um, so yeah. there you go. you got to be able to handle two paths. That's, that's the long and short of it. What else? I, I think configurability of those ins and outs is maybe an awesome thing. Um, mm. Once you have your two ins, ideally you have two outs, and you can pick. Do you do discrete processing on your bass and melody? Do you do uh, discrete processing that ends up to a mono output or to a stereo output? Some of the boxes have like an effect send and return too, if you kind of mm -hmm. have that one little pedal that you can't get that cool effect inside your multi-effects box. Um, so, so having some option to, to figure out different ways of routing internally is really cool. Along with that, I think um, a variety of processing options. We have an instrument that handles more of a guitar range and more of a bass range. A lot of you know, manufacturers, they build for guitars or they build for basses. They don't build for the two at the same time. Um, so, so making sure that whatever box you get has the ability to adapt to the ranges that you need. Uh, this comes up with tuners a lot, right? Like, <laughs> I've uh, never, I've actually never had a problem with a tuner built into the the stuff that I've used, but I know that that can come up. So, does the Axe FX have a tuner? I mean, I'd be surprised if it, it does. Yeah, I yeah, have both, both. Well, the, the ones I have, the Duo and the Axe FX, have built-in tuners, and they work great. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I suppose uh, another another thing that that we had talked about that that is worth mentioning is the uh, the format. Of the unit so you know the zoom is this one little pedal with this one big switch on it you know and then it's got these three little knobs on it that actually you press in the knob to activate that particular like parameter right so you can dial one knob and dial another knob and you're pushing them in and so the the zoom interface is, is very unique it has a very small window but uh it, it still is something that you can do on the pedal itself um, you look at something like the the HD 500X or it, some of the newer models, the SY 300 as well as the the Line Six and the and the Axe FX. They have an editor, so this is a whole new world that we're in because it adds this visual context to creating something that you, you're going to hear with your ears. So you're actually designing, your, you're like you're getting into sound design, right? You get to be Rob Martino. You get to be Claire Steger. And actually look at it and look at like, you know, dial in the EQ. So now you've got those kind of, you know, those knobs and, and things that, are, that feel more tactile, but there's a visual element to it that makes more sense. So when I'm looking at the reverb and the way the, the line six, uh, the, the, the HX or editor, the HX edit kind of lays it out. It's like, okay, well, it makes sense. I, I can see all the faders at once. So I didn't have that in the zoom pedal. So I get like, you know, the, the, the overall vision of what a sound looks like. So 
the editor's kind of a big deal for me, you know, and then something else to consider, right? Like Claire talked about the Axe FX. It's a little big, right? So now you've got a, um, a big unit, but maybe that's your home unit. I know that uh, um, the Helix has a, has a rack version of it. Mm-hmm. I know there's a guitar modeling amp called uh, Eleven, um, and I don't really know the model or too much about that. I don't know if it has two inputs. I'd be surprised if it didn't, but I don't know. I'm sorry, it's called Eleven? Yeah, it's called Eleven. As in, as in these amps have, the, the volume goes to Eleven? That's right. That's right. I think so. Eleven rack, I think it's called. Eleven rack, yeah. And, and, and like you know, people really like it. And, and the, you know, based on the price that I was seeing, it was you know, I think it was meant to kind of stand up to something like the the Axe FX, but maybe be a little bit more affordable. Or or I think it predates the Helix. So, um, but still one of these like two space awesome guitar racks. Um, and so, but again, you get into like two spaces in a rack, not a zoom pedal. And, uh, and then the HD500X, like pretty big, unwieldy. It's this single large metal unit. And for me, with an Active 2 pickup, I remember one night being in a club and, and I had buzz from the, uh, from the lights that were in the club. And that's just part of, you know. Uh, and I remember when I bypassed the HD500X, I didn't have um, all that noise. And the rest of the band were like, hey, just do that. And I was like, play without effects. I was like, why don't I just take off all my clothes? You know, like, geez, guys, like, I think I would rather take off all my clothes. But I, I, I wanted to have something, you know. So I, I can't remember what I did was, is I ducked a lot of the high ends or something. Um, but that that was kind of a pisser. And then I also felt trapped at that time because the pedal was so sophisticated, and the different types of microphones, the different types of cabinets, the different types of amps, and things like that. For someone that just wanted to dial it in quickly, that was a bit frustrating. Um, uh, and then finally, kind of went down a long trail there, but uh, control options. Now, traditionally, things that we saw were tap, so you tap in your your delay time, or you tap in the uh, the rate at which you want, like a, a phaser or uh, some sort of rotor effect to kind of whirl at. And then you've also got um, just full on MIDI, and so you've got MIDI expression or tap. Three more control options to to consider when buying a pedal. So the Zoom didn't support it, but if you had a more, like, if you had a simple pedal that has just delay and reverb, you could control those things all at once. So it's like, mm. that's that's another consideration. So that kind of wraps up this second segment in terms of what do we look for, and I'll kind of list them out again. Uh, you know, what makes for a good chat and stick multi-effects unit? And maybe this is a question to put to our um, 14 or 15 listeners now. And that is, is that, you know, <laughs> is, there, is there something that we missed, right? We So what we came up with was, was two discrete signal paths, inputs, two discrete outputs, um, configuration of ins and outs, dual or mono options or stereo out, uh, the variety of processing options for both guitar and bass. Um, and then the fifth one was, is what is the format of the unit? Is it pedal rack software? And then finally, what are the control options? Does it support, you know, tap? Does it support MIDI expression? So now we're going to, I think that the, we're finally going to get to actually spend a little bit more time with units that we have in common. And we'll talk more specifically about some of these um, multi-effects units.
also one of the petals that intrigues me so much and that I've seen you know, from afar as someone who's on the stickest is the Mod Duo. And I know that uh, Victor and Claire, you've both experimented with this pedal in one way, shape, or another. Uh, Victor, maybe I'll, I'll start with you. Where do you first find out about the Mod Duo and what intrigued you enough to make this big purchase on kind of like a, right, like an Indiegogo kind of type arrangement with a pedal, which is something new to me. Yeah, so I actually didn't know about it until after the Kickstarter was done. And I heard about it, I heard about it from Dean. We mentioned earlier that Dean Kobayashi was really big on it and he was pushing it. That hard. guy. That guy, yeah. And you know, he was doing videos about it and he was using it. I think he used it with his NX uh, and such. And and it intrigued me a lot. You know, Dean, you sold one. You know, that was, you know, I'm sure you sold more than one, but, uh, <laughs> but um, you sold me mine uh, effectively by by that. So I, I figured out where I had to go to buy one and I bought one and I had gas. I was waiting for this thing. And, you know, there's something about my address that the United States Postal Service, occasionally things get lost. And it went to this one town south of me, then it went to a town north of me, then it went back to the town south of me. It went back and forth two times. And so finally I got in my car or I called the post office that was two hours north of me. And I said, I'm just going to come. This is at your post office. Can I just come get it? Because it's never going really? to me. Two hours away? Two, like two uh, hours? An, an hour and a half. Yeah, hour and a half to drive there. I was in, you know, I'm in, I'm in the Vancouver area and it was in Centralia, Washington. And uh, anyway, it was it was Dean. Dean actually convinced me to get it. I watched the videos. And let me tell you something about that mod duo. Um, you know, we're going to talk about the HX Stomp a little later, I think. And I've got a Stomp now, and I really like it a lot. But let me tell you something. The mod duo, the interface to the computer, is genius. It is so intuitive. It is so easy to use. You're using a web browser, so you don't need to install any software. You just need to figure out how to get the IP address to connect to the Mod Duo through the USB connection. It uses a browser, so it doesn't use like an application, like a desktop. No, it doesn't. Yeah, that is so is so. We mentioned earlier that it's a Linux box. Well, it's a Linux box with a web server, and so you just you just connect to that, and you can do it via a USB cable. You can I also you can buy the little dongle, and now it's a Bluetooth connection, mm -hmm. uh, and it's you can you can control it with an iPad or, or your iPhone. Yeah, and anything that has a browser can can reach it. Yeah, wow. you have a little Bluetooth. Yeah. It's as slick as not. You are you you, know, wow. you you pick a pedal and you throw it on your screen where you. You know how you design a pedal board? I'll put this pedal here, then this one here, and I'll make these connections with the cables, and I'll do this. Oh no, this one needs to go over here. It makes more sense. It's visually more soothing, or it's whatever. And, and you're do, you can do this, and you you literally move these cables. It is the slickest thing in the world. It, it's hands down the best interface I've ever seen. I haven't seen them all, but yeah, they they go with like a visual pedal board paradigm. Like they give you this like blank kind of wooden background and. You have your inputs on one side and your outputs on the other, and you just, like he said, you have banks of different types of effects. You grab whatever pedal you want, and then you just patch it, and it's super flexible. The, the, it is. You, you can put anything you want in there. Obviously, it's limited by its processing, and at some point, you won't be able to <laughs> add more. Right, yeah, it does have limits. You kind of max out, right? It's like, you add, them, add them all. You know, I'll, I'll give you as much as I got, and then it kind of maxes out, right? It doesn't actually... Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a meter that tells you 
you know, where you're at. And, you know, it, it has, you know, you're at 80% of capacity uh, or whatever. So, you know, you know that now, okay, now it's not the time to try and add an amp model to it, you know. So something I want to, that I observe that's unique about the mod duo, and, and I talk about this to people when I'm working, so I work on information technology, and, and that is how we're starting to do things in the context of the browser. So the work that we're starting to do is happening less in desktop applications, and all these things are being managed on server side, right? That's where the horsepower is. So the idea is that rather than downloading an application, let's say Microsoft Word, you actually use it in the context of the browser. What I never saw coming after telling people to do this all day long during the work week is that that would happen to the pedal board. So that was the best thing about the mod duo. And there's a lot of good things about the mod duo. So when I say that's my favorite thing about it, saying a lot because it's an awesome piece. What about power? I don't remember. It's a, it's a little like wall wart style power adapter. Like 500 milliamps or something, something like uh, and more than that, I would think. I don't remember. Okay. Yeah. I have to look at it. <laughs> okay. It's a, it's a wall wart. You, you plug it in. Yeah. Yeah. So I gigged with it a couple times and, uh, and, you know, I liked a lot about it, but eventually, you know, given its size and the layout, you really, you really have to have a lot of foresight to be able to modify things when you're out playing because you've got two knobs and two foot switches and you have to assign those. And if you didn't assign something that you want to change, you've got to get your iPad out or you've got to get your laptop out and you've got to log into the, the built-in web browser. And there's really nothing wrong with that, but it just didn't fit my vision of what I wanted to do. So it came, you know, there came a time when I decided, okay, well, I need to move on from this. And so um, so I was going to this, uh, I happened to be going to a stick seminar and I decided that I'd, I'd take it along and see if uh, anybody was interested in buying it. I didn't know if I'd bring it back home from the seminar or not. And there was someone there that seemed interested in it. And so, you know, it's like, well, you know, I don't need to take this home and stick us. You're a stick player. So, you know what, take it and you can in the, in a month or two, just mail me, either mail me the money for it or mail me the unit. So I went ahead and, and, and moved on, but it was, it was a difficult decision because the mod duo is a slick, slick unit. And you had the, the you had the zooms as kind of a backup all the while, right? So you had your little. Yeah, I had I had I'd figured out the zooms before I got rid of the module because I, I had the multi effects bug and I wasn't gonna. I was like, okay, I'm I'm staying with this in one form. I'm just moving to a different form, and I had the I had the two zooms at that gotcha. time. So I, yeah, so I didn't leave myself hanging. Gotcha. Yeah. So here's something interesting: we all have multi effects units. In fact, we have multi-multi-effects. We have multi-multiple multiple effect units. I mean, actually, <laughs> do I, I? I don't really. I only have the HX Stomp now. So I sold about six pedals or seven pedals. I got to HX Stomp and I was like, no going back. I love all these pedals, but I'm just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm through with the fascination of building the pedal boards. Right? It's less about like playing with Lego. And now it's like, really, it's like I'm designing a sound and I'm going to have a single unit. So like when you got the Mod Duo, what was your experience when you first got it? What did you like immediately? Like what worked? Like what was different from what you were used to? You know, the the thing is just, it's kind of fun. These days, if you purchase the unit, it comes kind of preloaded with a bunch of what they call, pre presets or what they call, they call them pedal boards. So it's like a, a set of sounds. 
Um, and these days it comes with it. And at the time it didn't. So I, I kind of had to set something up before, but it was, it's, it's kind of fun. It is just like a pedal board and all that, that tweaking that you're talking about, like it's in software, but it's what you're doing. And, and then, and then they've changed also more recently. There's the, the, the puddle itself. We mentioned the dwarf has undergone kind of like a redesign. It's a little smaller. Um, so, so the duo has, um, two foot switches and two knobs that also do a push button. Um, the dwarf, I believe has three switches, three knobs and three buttons. Got it. Um, and it's, it's a little smaller, has a bit more processing, um, upgraded chips on it. So, um, I am looking forward to it. One, one of the things that, um, I, th- I believe the dwarf, I think they're working on having a better, um, sort of a connection to the computer in, ter- in terms of audio. Mm. Um, that's one of the things I, I really wish the, the duo did better. You, you can actually do it. And I have set that up. You basically like, like, uh, Victor said, it's, it's an embedded Linux system. There's a thing called Jacknet that lets you do audio over network. So you plug in USB, you have to kind of use your terminal to get into it and, and activate it. But, um, that allows you to do audio over USB gotcha. um, to your computer, um, I never really kind of ended up using it because for for what I wanted to do, it didn't work as well as I had hoped. Um, so I'm I'm hoping that you know they can implement that maybe more more mainstream in the in the newer version. I don't know if I think they're planning on doing that, but I'm not I'm not sure. Um, and, and sometimes you know they'll they'll plan stuff and you have to wait a little bit for the next update. But they they do keep updating it, and I think I mentioned a, a bunch of folks develop plugins for it. Uh, plugins it equals pedal, you know, effects pedal. So yeah, it, it's just, it's kind of fun. It's tweakable. You can do a lot. You're not really limited by, oh, I can only have three things. You know, you have, you're limited by DSP and and whether that's, you know, a reverb or a, a chorus or this or some crazy, you know, delay, like you can, you can pile a bunch of stuff on there until the processing runs out. You're not limited by, by a slot or something like that. It, it actually, you know, the, the, the interesting thing is not just an effects box. It, it runs synths inside. So it has MIDI inputs and some of the plugins, some of the pedals are synths. So you can run, you can do a lot of different things with it. I, I haven't personally used that aspect because I'm not looking to. You know, I was going to say a, a quick bit about just about Linux itself. You know, I mean, like Linux as a web server, you know, what's so great about uh, like Linux in particular being, you know, having worked a lot in Microsoft stuff is that, you know, Microsoft is like, you get server, right? You get Microsoft server and it has all these things on it and you use it. When you configure a Linux server, you can configure the Linux server when you compile the kernel, when you like, when you build the server, essentially, you can just say, this only manages printers. So I don't need all this stuff that Microsoft puts on there. I don't need that. I don't need that. I don't need that. I want this interface. I want that interface. I want to use this Apache here, this type of security. So you kind of build it the way you want it. And so this pedal fits in so nicely with that community. Yeah. And they're, they're using the browser. And so it's, it's so totally and completely customizable. It's just like... Well, you mentioned that. like It's totally open source. Like if you want to hack the box, you can do whatever you want with it. They, they It's completely open. Um, the plugin format is uh, LV2, which is sort of like an open source VST. So if you know how to develop stuff, you can develop your own plugins. Like I said, it, it had that Max MSP integration as well. Um, so it's, it's a very kind of hackable... Like if you're really into the techie stuff and you want to mess with it, you can. Um, it's it's really neat that way. Um, it, it's true that you can't really edit from the front panel. I, I haven't personally had that 
be a problem. I guess I usually try to plan ahead with what I need and just switch pedal boards yeah. if I need to. I also use a lot of um, external controllers, so I can just use what I've got and um, map that instead. Some of the little things that kind of bug me about it, the, the MIDI assign um, is a little tedious. Some of the editing is a little tedious, I found as well. And like I said, although the net jack does work, I think if you're not someone who you, who knows what SSH is, you're never going to find it. So like I said, I, I hope they do bring that into into kind of a mainstream piece of the, the model. Um, one of my biggest pet peeves with it is it doesn't have an expression pedal input. I really wish... Huh. Um, you you can add controllers via USB, and it has um, its own kind of control chain kind of thing. But I just think having an expression pedal is is kind of awesome. That's pretty big for me. Uh, I do like being able to have expression. I think most of the gigs I've done with it were just like a clean sound anyway, so I didn't really use tons of effects and didn't really need controllers for that. But I like I said, I have I have external controllers that have expression pedal inputs, so it's not it's not a big deal. But I think for portability, it would have been nice to have that. Sure. Well, you know, I'm I'm so curious to see what the what the dwarf brings um, and what it has to offer. The you know the package. Uh, I'm looking at the page now, and it's it's a very it's it's much smaller, and it looks like it's got that network input that you're saying. It's also got the the network port that you see is the control chain. Well, that's that's right. That's right. That's right. And, but it's it's also got what looks to be like two ins and two outs, but it's also got USB. I think it's USB B. Yep. And it's got a headphone jack. So yeah. That, oh yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's one of the things that I like about certainly about the um, the AHX stomp as well as the as the SY three hundred is it had a, a head a dedicated headphone jack um, and it looks like this uses a, a smaller I guess kind of a headphone jack sized I guess that's one sixteenth of an inch eighth inch probably Eight, okay. Um, I'm trying to, I think the one I have now has the bigger jacks. I can't remember now, but yeah. So, so it's really easy just to pop up and like do, you know, if, if you're traveling, you can just practice on it real easy. Um, one, one kind of, I don't, I'm not really that obsessed with tuners, but the, the tuner on this thing is kind of sweet in that you can pick which channel you're using the tuner on. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times with most things, I have to kind of just flip to mono mode to tune if I'm using an external tuner. Right. On this thing, I can just, you push a foot switch and you select which which input your the tuner is on. It's kind of a neat little feature. Yeah. Yeah. A big selling point for the uh, HX Stomp for sure. And, and for the SY300. So those had both of them. I think the Zoom had a tuner too. Did it not, Vic? Yeah, the Zoom has a tuner, yeah. Yeah, you gotta have a tuner. If you don't have a tuner, then uh, I think that I think that's a showstopper for me. It's so nice being able to because I had dedicated pedals on my pedal board for muting. Yes, and that's why. Yeah, I mean, you can you just turn the tuner on and you walk away till the next set starts. You know, and you're and you're good. <laughs> a multi effects pedal that can mute your signal and do it in a way for it doesn't clip and make a really loud popping sound. That's big. Number two is being able to have a tuner. On both sides, like it's getting more fantastic, right? So now I can yeah. mute it and I can tune both sides. Like this is great, you know. I'm like I'm loving like that in itself. Is like I don't know if it justifies a six hundred dollar pedal or twenty. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a, it's just nice to have on your pedal because I yeah. I mean I, I've got the little clip on the which one is it the the yeah. snark and sometimes when you're in like when you're trying to tune and it's a really noisy environment, it doesn't pick up and you don't really quite know if you're actually in tune and it's, just, oh, it, it so can get, un, you know, if you're really in like a loud area while well, you have to tune up, it's, it's 
kind of hard. So it's nice to have a box that's like, okay, I'm on, you know. Yeah. Well, it's, it sounds like the Mod Duo gets big marks for customization. It's got a small format. It's got uh, a wide range of effects and that the real beauty is, and part of it is the community, but the, just the, the overall flexibility and, and the kind of the passion that people have for that particular pedal. I mean, it's like that's, that's their pedal. And, and, and I don't know if it's part of our larger board, but you see you know, guys out there with just, just their mod duo. That's, yeah. Yeah. that's the rig. So, so I'm curious, like you guys both have the HX Stomp. Um, how, how did you guys end up with, I mean, you mentioned a little bit of where you ended up with it, but not sure. Yeah. Vic, do you, do you want me to start? You want to go like a, well, you know, I, my, the answer to my question is it's Gene's fault, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and in a funny way and in a funny way, Victor, you know, the mod duo is your fault, right? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong, isn't it? Right, Claire? Am I am I right or am I right? <laughs> All right. People have probably put two and two together. The the seller of my mod duo was Victor. So I yeah. have Victor's old mod duo. We we met up at the interlocking seminar and uh, we'll to, yeah, listen back to the session where we threw out the clues. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now that the mystery yeah. is solved. Tell us about the HX Stomp. Okay. So, so the HX Stomp was the the evolution of so many Line Six multi effects units. Um, you know, in particular, the HD five hundred X for me. Now, the HD five hundred X also had a, a built in pedal, but what Line Six did in this unit was still have a tremendous amount of processing power. Um, and then they also had so basically they made they did themselves one better by putting it into the format of something like a Strymon sized pedal. They used a three uh, pedal format, and then you've got uh, three smaller knobs, uh, kind of similar to how the Zoom operates, and then two knobs with buttons on either sides. So the HX Stomp also has an on-off switch. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But um, I think it's a passive switch. So if it's off, it's so the unit isn't even on. Your signal still goes through it. Um, yes, yes, it does. I've tested that. Yeah, that, that's that's pretty slick. Yeah. So if you know if some if a breaker blows, exactly, or, you, you can still be playing. If the pedal is bumming you out, like ah, it sounded good at practice, and now it's not, you can just flip the darn thing off. So. <laughs> right? So we look back at you know part two of our requirements of what makes for a good puddle. It pretty much checks off all those boxes. So it's got two ins, it's got two outs. Um, I've also got options for routing inside the pedal. So if I want to run stereo on the mono side, I can do so. Um, the thing is, is that stereo never really works the way you want it to with only two outputs because one of them is going to be going to a bass amp and one of them is going to be going to a guitar amp if you're running like true dual mono kind of Chapman stick style. You've got to have actually two speakers on the melody side or the bass side, but you probably would want to run stereo bass. But if you're running stereo melody, you know, then you can run... Um, you could have a true stereo sound. And I guess you could just put the bass in the middle. So if you just have a pair of powered speakers, you could do that. But if you were going to run dual mono, what you could actually do is, is use the effects send out of the pedal. So um, I can't remember the name of the player. He's out in Japan. He knows so much. I might actually go out and try to find him. Um, he, he was the one that, that I first heard from 
of running, like imagine a pair of powered speakers and then also a bass amp. So you run stereo out to your powered speakers and that's what you run your melody side through. But then you use the effects send going out to a bass amp. So then you route all of that in the pedal and now you've got like a three channel mixer. So a very versatile way to use the HX Stomp. Hmm. Um, I haven't explored too much with it, but yeah. it works and it's super cool. So, um, okay, so what are other, the other things with the, the HX Stomp? So the, the controllers. So you can buy one of these Mission um, pedals that works so well with them. So you control expression and you've actually got, um, it actually has two inputs. So you run a TRS out from the HX Stomp to this expression pedal. So you can use it for volume. You can use it to, you know, for any sort of parameter, you can assign it. Um, and, you know, the, the HX Stomp is very flexible, maybe not to the degree that the, the Mod Duo is, um, but a lot of options for modeling, for amps, for cabinets, for speakers, microphones, the positioning of microphones, um, as well as, you know, modulation and reverb and delays, overdrive distortions, all the things that come along with it. And what it does is it gives you basically, so unlike the Mod Duo, which will just let you hang yourself with too much DSP, which is like such a Linux thing to do, like, it's just like, yeah, take it all, you know, have it all. Like, you can have it, it's all there if you want it. Whereas Line 6 is like, you get six. You get six and that's, like, you, you can spin it how you want it. There's ways to kind of work around that in terms of like using like a noise gate like global settings there's kind of some tricks that you can do jeremy kubert's going to tell us all about those when we bring them on one day yeah so one thing that might be worth mentioning that you know, i don't know when it's going to happen maybe it's maybe it's already happened but um there's a firmware update on the horizon that uh i think it's been confirmed by the line six folks mm-hmm. that will uh, will increase the number of of elements you can have from six to eight mm-hmm. which that's a pretty big bump, actually. And, and how do you do that? I mean, like, to me, that's so amazing because, I mean, you're increasing it by, what's that, like 25%? That's 33%. 33%, right. So um, to me, that is, you know, that's that's kind of a big deal. Are they going to, like, overclock it or something? or, or? <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. So uh, I suppose you could, but the thing is, is that it's a $600 pedal, too, right? Right, and if, you know, if you're going to overclock it, you, you know, your cooling comes into play and stuff. Yeah, so who knows? I can see that happening on the mod doer. They'd just be like, yeah, it's just like, let's just, you know, like see how far we can, you know, make this go. But I think line six is a little more, you know, like, hey, conservative, you've got six. So you can put three on one side and three on the other. But what's also nice is with the, with the single pass, the way that they're laid out, you know, you can just put base on one side, the compression, maybe EQ, and then maybe just like, uh, reverb and, uh, and something else. You, you've got, you've basically got six um, slots to put them into. Oh, so the general that I was looking for was, is Remuji. He goes by Remuji. And so if you do a search for Remuji or any of the line six Chapman stick stuff, he'll tell you how to configure your HX stomp to use the, the send to, to run your base amp. Oh. I suppose I'm touching on all the things that we talked about with controllers. What's nice about the HX stomp is you can actually have the expression send, right? You can send TRS out. Um, so it sends actually two quarter inches to like one of these, um, these helix, like mission pedals, but you can also run MIDI out. So you can just run five pin MIDI out to, let's say a disaster area, DMC three XL. And then you've got, 
You can move through patches. You can, I think you can control expression. You can um, turn on and turn off things. So really sophisticated stuff that can be done with MIDI in addition to expression. So it's almost like you can have, imagine this, stick going in, it going out to two different amps or even a pair of powered speakers and a bass amp. You can be running expression along with a MIDI, dedicated MIDI expression. And then also you've got um, USB-B uh, out, so which is how you kind of connect that to, the, to, to your laptop, your desktop, whatever the case may be. And so it, it's this hub and then it's also an analog to digital converter, which is fantastic. And the, and the editors, you know, I, I got to say, uh, I, it's easy to use. I use a Mac. Um, I've used it with a PC as well. So conceptually, it's just this one great pedal. But like many things where you're given all these options, you have to ride the dragon. You know, you can't kind of go in halfway. You know, you ha- can't have to be like, well, <laughs> I just want it for compression on the bass side. It's like, oh, no, no, no. We've got seven different kinds of compressors and there's all these different things to consider, order that you use them in. Oh, one last thing. So assigning actually, so assigning the foot switches is also really cool. So being able to say the compression is always on on the bass side, but when I press this pedal, I've assigned reverb to it. Or I've assigned reverb and delay or overdrive reverb and delay when I hit this one pedal. So there's some customizability in the, the, the pedals themselves. So Vic, t- what has your experience been or what have you found that you like most about the HX Stomp? Why you got one or what's next? So the, I guess the main reason I bought it is because it's of the form factor. There is so much packed into that and it's so small. It's amazing they did that. But uh a couple of little things that that I've come to appreciate. One of them was, uh, and I'm not sure this is such a big deal, but you can set the impedances mm-hmm. both on the inputs and the outputs. So that's something I've sometimes wondered about. You know, I'm taking, you know, uh, with two zooms into a mixer, my mixer out, is it line level, you know, or is it instrument level? Well, I think it's line level, but... You know, so but I'm plugging it into my amplifier, which has a preamp, and you know, and so you know, I'm wondering, you know, is is it is that maybe not the best way to do that? So I can, you know, I can set the output impedance level. That's kind of a cool thing, and of course the input impedance level. But uh, so that was that was one thing that kind of intrigued me. But I think that there's so much in there that it's hard for me to visualize outgrowing this. Right. The idea that you, know, you can only have six. Uh, effects in a preset i can see that being a limitation uh, soon there'll be eight hopefully and that'll be less of a limitation also one thing that i appreciate is that there are a lot of stick players that use line six products and a patch as near as i can tell i'm sure it will fall apart at some point because of the limitation of six different effects but it can be a line six patch that someone came up with for maybe a helix and I'm playing with Rob Martino's one cloud patch. <laughs> yeah. And that's a beautiful sound. Very sweet. It is. It is. And I get to use it now if I want. And, you know, so that's, you know, there, 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 there's a lot to draw from. And there's a lot of potential for sharing ideas because the community doesn't have to be composed only of people using the HX stomp. It can go beyond that. And that actually appeals to me to a certain degree as well. So those are just a couple of things that that I like about it. Also, I mentioned before, I like that 
you don't have to be plugged into a computer to be able to make good use. It certainly is better. You know, using using HX Edit on your computer plugged in through the USB, it makes things go faster and and whatnot. But you, it's not necessary. Sure. And I think the I think the only thing that I found myself wishing I could do from just using the units control panel instead of the computer. I haven't yet figured out how to copy and paste one patch into a new patch bay so that I can tweak it without messing with the original. And I bet there's a way to do it. I just haven't been able to find it in the menus. Yeah, there, there is a way. Um, so when you press the two buttons that are on the opposite side of that top controller, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So then you can just actually, you, you, I think you're given the option where you want to save it. So you can then kind of scroll through the patch. Oh. Yeah. In the save function. Okay. You have to go to save it first, right? So when you go to save it, it's like, where do you want me to save it? Last night, I took, I made a rookie mistake. I was playing around with it. I wanted to do something to a couple of them. So I, you know, I just grabbed it and I walked into my kitchen and plugged it into my laptop and mm-hmm. I made some changes and then I unplugged it and went into the, into the music room and I'd forgotten to save it. So those of you out there that are new to the Classic. HX stop, Classic. when you change something, it doesn't save it until you tell it to save it. That's true. That's both an irritant or alternately a lifesaver. If you if you run down a rabbit hole and you've changed, you know, four different effects out of the six, and you realize that it was a bad idea, well, if you didn't save it, you're okay. <laughs> save, save often. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so I'm kind of I'm kind of new to the HX stop, and so I don't really have a whole lot to to say about it. But um, but I have gigged with it a couple times and works pretty well and it does sound really nice it does sound really nice yeah it's got so it's got like a volume knob on it which just sounds kind of silly but that's kind of nice to have you know um it's got a built-in noise gate or it's got what's called a signal gate you can dedicate a patch to a noise gate but you can also use this thing called a signal gate and so it manages it you don't actually have to like burn actually an assignment um what are the things that um, so there's this whole like love affair that goes on with you know stick players and the and the HX stomp, but one of the things that we talked about is the power adapter. The power for the the Line Six HX stomp presents a little bit of a challenge to a traditional board because you can't use all the other kind of outputs you know for your Strymons for your like if you're using a one spot. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's a slightly different size. And so that's just something you have to be aware of. And so you do have to use their adapter. And so and you don't really want to take too many chances with that. I found an adapter for it. So it, it basically adapts it. And so you end up using like two spots in like your, if you're using like a, like an Ohi Strymon, you know, power adapter, you end up using two slots. So you can give it the amount of milliamps that it needs. It says it calls for, you know, like three amps, which is like a lot. But I mean, there's these long threads out there where it kind of talks about how to convert it. And I tried it. And what was happening is, is that um, I, I think it maybe it was just the way I had it configured, but it wasn't, it was cracking. It was like popping a little bit and um, it was really loud. So I had to kind of back off of that and go back to using the power adapter. So and it's like you, you know, you have a lot of with that, a lot of power comes a lot of responsibility, right? So you know, with <laughs> oof, gee, oh. So I'm curious. You guys seem really happy with your HX stomp. 
Um, have you guys seen this new, I guess boss just came out with uh, a little gadget that seems very similar kind of price point and, and feature set, the GT 1000 core. Have you guys seen this thing? You know, I saw someone, I haven't seen one, but I, someone posted about it on stickers. I think it was Steve Balog. I hope I'm not massacring his last name with the pronunciation, but Steve posted about it a few days ago. And I've read a couple articles about it and 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 watched a YouTube video. And I'll be really interested because I'm sure some stick player out there is going to buy that sucker and put it through its paces. It'll be cool <laughs> to see. What they say, it looks right? pretty yeah. awesome. It does look so, cool. Yeah. Is it the GT1000? GT1000 Core. The GT1000 is like the big brother, sort of like the the Helix of the oh, okay. um, the the GT1000 Core is sort of like the the smaller sawed off version. Oh, I see. Yeah. So, yeah. okay. So, oh, okay. And the form factor is kind of similar. It's like, it looks like a smaller pedal, three switches. Exactly. So now with Boss's GT1000 core entry, we see direct competition with the mod duo and with the, with the line six HX stop. Yeah. Cause I mean, they, they make, sorry, they make a bunch of different, uh, multi effects, uh, processors and they have like a pocket one and, but this seems to be kind of a more similar to the, the HX stomp than some of the others they've had. It has two send and returns. It's got a lot of I.O. on it, yeah. And it looks like it controls expression through a quarter inch, and I expect it's got MIDI on the side. Looks like it's got another expression on the side, too. Yeah, it's got expression, but that's a quarter inch as well. And now it says it has MIDI in and out, but it's using like a headphone size jack, which is... It's pretty so that's really common nowadays. Um that really? that kind of small. Yep, it's uh you see that in a lot of stuff now. It's just to save space. Gotcha. You just get cuz the the regular MIDI DIN connectors they're they're really <sighs> large. So you see that that's actually really common now. The I don't know if it's like 8th inch 3.5 millimeter. Um that is really common right now. And it, it use a little breakout cable or just connect direct into another box that has that same connector. But that that's very typical now that 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 smaller MIDI connector. Gotcha. Okay. Wow. So I'm I'm really looking forward to people getting their hands on it because I'd like to I'd like to know. Yeah. Uh, Claire, why did we even what, like? Why did you show me this? What have you? So done? yeah, I mean, is that the question? Like, what would what would get you guys away from your HX stomp? You know, you know this this this. Would <laughs> 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 oh, speaking of enticements, I'm I'm just hold curious. on, hold on. Like, this would complete the circle. This oh. would complete the circle because Vic gets to blame me and you get to blame him. Now you guys blame me blame if you go you. over to That's yeah. right. So I mean, so so here's the thing. Like, I mean, I know the like the line six stuff is awesome, but Boss too has like they have a very long history of uh Well Boss is very familiar, and that's excellent. what I like. That's I really like the SY uh three hundred, you know, for the synth sounds. I don't think this has synth sounds, but um it, Boss is very familiar. It's like just like super familiar for me, you know, and like, um, you know, um, Line Six has a different way of doing things. I'd have to get kind of used to that. Well, I guess I guess we'll look forward to seeing which stick player out there gets one of these and 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 lets us all clues us all in. What on, have on you done, works. Claire Stay? You've thrown out the challenge now. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I'm pretty happy with my mod duo. I got no reason, you know, or my or my axe effects. I kind of, I'm good now. I'm good right now. I think we're ready to, to close it up. Um, was there anything kind of at the end of multi effects or just like kind of 
like a like some general closing statements you want to make about multi effects before we wrap up? Well, I've got no real general closing statements on it except that, well, as far as tap in time is concerned, I'm pretty sure we're not done with this discussion. <laughs> I, I think it's really more, you know, there is so much out there and, and it, yeah. what, what makes sense for one person won't make sense for another. And it really depends on what you're doing or what you want to do. So there's just a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I'm half expecting, you know, that maybe an episode like this, where we're talking about something that there, you know, people have their preferences on these kinds of things. And, you know, maybe this will generate some some good emails. You know, even if it's hate mail. Oh, you guys didn't talk about the Dingle Flitzer five thousand. <laughs> you know, so that's right. We didn't get into any of the Digitech stuff. You know, there, but that's the thing is, like, there's so much stuff out there. Like you couldn't yeah. you couldn't talk about it all. And we're just talking about our own experience, and where we have that limitation. So uh, it'll be interesting to hear what people what people think, and if they're willing to tell us about. Yeah. It. So so I suppose in closing, here is kind of our our assessment, uh, right? And that is, is that we've, we've had these different experiences, these shared experience with puddles, and in some cases, shared experience with the same puddles. And, uh, and uh, what, we've, what we've found is, you know, what we, what we do and don't like, you know, two ins, two outs, um, you know, dual single paths, those are all things to consider. Um, the format of the pedal, the control options, uh, the variety of processing for the bass and the melody side, these were kind of the things that we uh, assigned value to when we were choosing these puddles. These puddles will continue to get smaller, or have continued. We've seen that kind of uh, trend. And so now is, as, as these puddles get smaller, you know, what are these new challenges that we find um, in terms of like programmability and format and control options? And then also... You know what brands are we familiar with, and uh, and how we use them, and really the only way to know for sure is to try it and to experiment with it and to see what works for each individual. Yeah, I think that just about does it. I think so. We've covered it all. <laughs> well, all of all it. Of it. We, not, we've no covered some. Yeah, there's nothing left to talk. <laughs> we've about. not even talked about laptops and tablets and. Uh, (laughs) well then I suppose uh, so much more to talk about some other day some other day yeah yeah so listen uh, on behalf of the uh, tap and time crew you know we want to thank you as always for tuning into us Vic what is our email address where people can send us information our email address is tapintimepodcast at gmail.com and then you can find older episodes out on Podbean. There's a lot of ways to get the older episodes of the podcast. You can get them on any podcast app, Google Music or Google Play, uh, your iPhone's podcast app. You can find us on Spotify. You can also, if you want to do it directly on a computer, tapintime.podbean.com gets you to the Tap in Time podcast and all the episodes can be found there. That's right. All other nine episodes. Because there's ten now. That's right. Epic Chapman stick discussions and interviews with the Tap and Time crew. So, uh, on behalf of everyone here and our and our dear friend Rodrigo out in Portugal, who's busy actually playing music, we want to thank you again for listening to us, and we will catch you next time on Tap and Time. 
The first musical interlude in this episode was a Steve Adelson phone recording of a practice session on his half-fretless grand stick. You can find out more about Steve and his music at steveadelson.com. The second song we played was Whisper in the Winds by the stick duo Mark and Steffi off their CD, New Beginning. You can learn about them and their music at markwhitelive.com. We welcome your comments. You can contact us by email at tapintimepodcast at gmail.com. 